So our gospel lesson this morning comes from the book of Luke, and this is the parable of the lost sheep. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has 100 sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy God, may all that we do and say in this day be well and good in your sight. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So by a show of hands, who has ever been physically lost in your lives? I figure we all have stories about being lost in a variety of places for a variety of reasons especially those of us who traveled in the days before GPS units were in our cars or on our phones. And I'm starting to wonder if getting lost is a thing of the past, especially for our younger generations who may not know how to read a map or what it was like to have to stop at a gas station and ask for directions. I, apparently, have a problem with getting lost on the trails in the woods in Rotary Park here in Livonia. <laughs> Every time I go there to hike, without fail, I get lost. A number of years ago, I went to Rotary with one of my girlfriends, Kathy. At the time, I was in the process of training for a five-kilometer run and was using an app that would have me run for so many minutes and then walk for so many minutes. Kathy wasn't interested in running, but she wanted to join me. So I would run up the trail for a bit and then turn around and run back to where she was as she walked the trails. Well, at one point, I apparently ran a bit too far. So when I went to run back to where I thought Kathy would be, I could not find her. I wasn't all that concerned at first, but as the minutes ticked by, with no sign of my friend anywhere, my worry began to grow. And by the way, Kathy left her cell phone in her car, of course. At one point, I came across someone's sock on the trail which of course set my imagination running down a rabbit hole thanks to all those cheesy horror films of the 1980s where someone inevitably meets a terrible fate somewhere in the woods, always leaving behind a sock or a tattered t-shirt or a shoe. So with growing anxiety, 
and concern for my friend's well-being and not totally sure where I was in the woods either, wouldn't you know it, but a huge thunderstorm popped up. I mean huge, and I am not making this up. Suddenly, the wind whipped through the trees, loud thunder was shaking the ground, and then the downpour began. It rained so hard that not even the thick canopy of trees provided any shelter whatsoever. So now, I'm a little panicky. I figure at this point, the best course of action would be to somehow find my way back to the parking lot and to the car. After all, wouldn't Kathy be trying to do the same? Miraculously, about 10 minutes later, I could see light up ahead in the break in the trees that would lead me out to the expanse of the baseball fields, the shelter of my car, and hopefully my friend. So I dashed out of the woods into the parking lot, but no sign of Kathy. I caught the glances of other people who were cozy and dry in their cars waiting out the storm, but with no sign of Kathy, I immediately turned around and headed back into the woods. Now, when you first enter the trails at Rotary, you have three options of trails to take. So I stood for a second trying to decide which way to go as I searched for my friend. I decided not to go down the trail I had just come from, so I chose another route. But I also didn't want to go too far from the parking lot Again, assuming Kathy would be headed in that direction, and also knowing my history of just plain getting lost in those woods. So I ran down the trail for a few minutes with no sign of her. So I turned back and ran back to the parking lot with the hopes Kathy had possibly come up from one of the other routes. Again, no Kathy. Again, glances from people hanging out in their cars in the pouring rain. And I must have done this three or four times, running out of the parking lot, seeing no sign of my friend, and quickly dashing back into the woods to resume my search. And I can only imagine what was going through the minds of these people sitting in their cars in the parking lot in the middle of a raging thunderstorm and seeing a woman running in and out of the woods in the manner in which I was. I was on a reckless hunt for my friend. Concerned for her safety, somewhat concerned for my own. But I wasn't willing to just hang out in my car and wait for her, which in some respects may have been the prudent thing to do considering the stormy conditions. By the time the storm subsided, I did eventually find Kathy. And when I did, she was just nonchalantly strolling down the trail, soaking wet, and completely oblivious to the ordeal that I just endured. She knew where she was, so she was good. And of course, this has become a classic story of our friendship and a story that is now more humorous than it felt while living it. So fast forward to a few years after this about three or four years ago now, Kelly and I decided that we'd like to get out of the office for a bit, so we headed over to Rotary Park for a hike. As we headed into the woods, I made sure Kelly understood what she was getting herself into. 
that I, without fail, get lost in Rotary Park. Being clear on this fact, Kelly decides to live dangerously and follows me into the woods anyway. Now, we never got separated from one another, nor was there a big crazy thunderstorm, but sure as the sun will rise, we got lost. Eventually, we made our way to the edge of the woods and saw some homes, so we decided to cut through someone's backyard and follow the neighborhood street until we made our way out onto Merriman Road, about a mile from the main entrance of Brooklyn Park at Six Mile. So perhaps we all have stories of being lost. But do we have stories of being lost and knowing someone else was trying to find us? Or being lost and wondering if someone else may even know that you're lost or be looking for you? God, of course, knows when we're lost, physically, spiritually, and mentally. In our reading from Luke's Gospel this morning, we heard Jesus telling those around him one of his many parables, a teaching method that he employed in order to help his listeners understand the point that he was trying to make. Since Jesus' earthly ministry took place in first century Palestine, he often used sheep and shepherding as means of metaphor, which would resonate with the people of the time because shepherding was a vital, common profession of the day. Jesus himself has been referred to as the Good Shepherd, and, the people of that, and to the people of that day, that would mean that he was a protector and a provider and a leader. And sheep themselves were valuable commodities. They provided meat, milk, and clothing. And they were also needed for the sacrificial offerings for the Jewish high holy days. Today's scripture reading tells us that Jesus' audience consisted of a gathering of tax collectors and sinners, all who were gathering around to hear what he had to say. There came a point in Jesus' ministry where it was difficult for him to travel anywhere without drawing a crowd, and these crowds were diverse. Everyone from the poor in the neighborhood to the rich, to members of the monarchy and to the religious elite. And more often than not, if Jesus wasn't teaching in the synagogue or in the streets, then he was sitting at, at someone's table and sharing a meal. And usually, he sat at table with some of the less than savory characters of his day, people whom the religious elite would call unclean and unworthy. And Jesus knows the Pharisees and other teachers of the religious law did not like that he spent time with these people. So he tells a story about a shepherd who has 100 sheep and loses one of them. And Jesus asks the crowd gathered, if you were the shepherd, would you not go and try to find this one lost sheep? Now, some may stop and ask if doing such a thing is prudent. If a shepherd leaves his flock, does he not leave them vulnerable to harm and getting lost themselves? On the surface, it, it seems a bit reckless, does it not, to leave 99 just to go after one? But this 
is where trust comes in. This is where we need to trust that the shepherd knows what he is doing. We need to trust that he knows how to do his job and we do not. Perhaps the other 99 were safe in a sheep pen or under the protective watch of another shepherd. No matter what, we need to trust the shepherd and his actions and to recognize that they are not reckless at all. When a shepherd knows that a sheep is lost, he knows it cannot survive on its own and that being alone, they are more susceptible to attack from a predator or exposure to the elements or getting hurt and unable to care for itself. And like any good shepherd, knowing the rest of its flock is all well and good, he knows he needs to hunt down that one that is in peril. And of course, such an image depicts and defines God's love for us. He recognizes when we are in peril, when we have lost our way, when we are in danger of succumbing to outside forces that seek to batter and bruise our lives. God knows that it's safer for us to be under the protection of his rod and staff and safe within the fold. So he comes searching. So when the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are upset about Jesus hanging out with sinners and tax collectors, and Jesus tells them this parable, he is reminding them that he, the good shepherd, the Messiah, has come for the lost. He has come to help those who live lives of sin, to turn away from these choices and to instead make choices that are good and honorable. But of course, we are all sinners. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. And there are most definitely those times in our lives when we need to know that God is chasing after us, recklessly pursuing us so we do not continue down a path of unrighteousness. Because in our humanity, sin is normal. Yet through God's love and grace, his reckless pursuit of us is normal too. It's one thing to be lost, and it's another thing to be lost and to know that someone is actively looking for you. So if we took a moment to reflect on those places in our lives where we feel lost, where we feel unloved, where we feel lonely, where we feel separated from the rest of the flock, and then to consider that we are loved by the great shepherd who is actively pursuing us, perhaps that can offer some measure of peace and comfort. And rest assured that Jesus will find us. He will rescue us from whatever it is that has separated us from the fold, whether we chose to pursue a path of our own doing and have made sinful choices, or whether life's circumstances has made us feel lost and out of sorts with no direction. Because this is why he came. This is why we are in need of a Messiah, someone who, rest, who will rescue us and close that gap of separation between us and God. 
So this past year, I took 12 credits of a master's level Hebrew course. And as painful as it was at times, the blessings abounded when it came to learning the original language in which the Hebrew Old Testament was written. One of the most profound moments for me came when we learned about the Hebrew word radaf. So I'd like you to say it with me. Radaf. Excellent. So this word is translated as to hunt or to chase. And this word was most notably used in the book of Exodus as the Egyptian army hunted and chased down the Israelites as they were fleeing from Pharaoh and making their escape across the Red Sea under the leadership of Moses. Now, complete this line from Psalm 23 with me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. The original Hebrew word for the word follow that so many of you just said is actually radaf. And we just learned that radaf means to hunt or to chase. So how does this line change meaning then? When we say surely, Goodness and mercy shall hunt me all the days of my life. To me, the word follow sounds very passive, like how a shadow or a puppy dog follows you around. And that is all well and good, too. To think that God's goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives, that is awesome. But how much better is it to know? that God's goodness and mercy is hunting us down. It is chasing us down. It is pursuing us. There is a much more aggressive nature to that word that I believe is much more in line with the God who is aggressive enough with saving our souls that he was willing to send his son to the cross. And it is much more in line with the good shepherd who pursues us with a seemingly reckless nature that he recognizes the cost. And the cost was his life. You are worthy of pursuing. You are worthy of the hunt. You are worthy of the cost. There is nothing passive about God's love for any one of us. There is nothing that we can do to separate ourselves from this love. And there is nothing, no sin we can do, no action we can ever do, no words that we can ever say that will keep God from hunting us down and bringing us back to the fold. So today, we give God thanks for him and for his reckless hunt. Um.